Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Resorts World Las Vegas, the newest property on the Strip. It's time for JT The Brick. How are we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? What do we want to talk about with the Raiders? So I want to see an interception. I want to see some fast. Third down and five on the 25. Wilson back to pass. Crosby in his face. Grabs Wilson around the shoulders and swings him down at the 34. Crosby with his second sack of the game. And the Raiders defense gets a stop. And then your boy JT got it right. JT the Brick. Always, always great to be with the Brick. I don't spend a lot of time on teams that don't make the playoffs. We talk about what matters in championships and winning here. It's big boy radio. You know, playing fast has always been fun for me, and I enjoy it when there's time, and there's a time and a place for it. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. JT right here in Vegas. Thanks for listening to Raider Nation Radio. Happy holidays. I'm getting a lot of holiday cards that are coming into the station here. I appreciate everybody who listens here as we open up the show. A quick housekeeping note tomorrow. We're at Resorts World, noon to two. I, there's a few people that told me they've never been to Resorts World. I said, what? How can you not be to Resorts World? It's the most expensive, biggest casino ever, ever in the United States. you got to go look at it. Come look at it tomorrow. If you haven't been there, uh, the Black Hole will be there with me. A lot of cool guys and gals are coming. And I'm going to be there for a couple hours. We'll be there before noon. We'll start from noon to 2, and we got a big show lined up. Red Tail is the name of the location. They have two venues there, Doghouse, where their sports book is, and in the back of the property, they have Red Tail. And it'll be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to seeing you there. So please come by. I'd like to shake your hand. Wish you happy holidays. We'll have a couple of nice guests. I'll play in my conversation with the coach from today, and we'll go from here into a good weekend. Also tomorrow night is the Bolitnikoff. Crab Fest on Friday night. Fred and Angela have this event every year. It's about 400 people, I believe. And if you're not able to attend, you can go to their website, bolitnikoff.org. Bolitnikoff.org, and you can see their auction items. Maybe you can get a jersey. You can bid on something. Just do that and help them out. That'd be great. Good weekend here, and then there's some concerts in town. Man, what's going on? Vegas. We need to get Johnny Katz on today, but we're booked up. A lot of concerts in town, a lot of people doing great things. So Tom Curran is going to join us in a moment, the Patriots insider from Boston, NBC Boston, about this game. And nothing against you guys, as they said in Goodfellas, you guys. But I don't sense the sense of urgency in this game. I'm just a guy behind the radio. I'm about town. I just don't feel like everybody's up for this game, and a lot of that has to do with the loss to the Rams. The loss to the Rams was one of the worst I've ever seen in my life as a football fan and a member here with the Raiders for 24 years. It was a gut punch. And when you have a gut punch loss like that, not everybody's eager to get back at it. But the Raiders better be eager for this because in Boston, in New England, especially with the Patriots organization, every game the Patriots play, every game the Patriots have played throughout their dynasty is a big game. So I know there's going to be a lot of Patriot fans in the building. They got to win the game for the playoffs. And the Raiders, if they lose, are mathematically out. Tom Curran joins us, my good friend, a great insider who covers the Patriots. Doesn't that sound about right, Tom? Huge game for the Patriots and an elimination game for the Raiders. Huge game for the Yeah, both ways it's huge. And I would even allege it's probably bigger for the Patriots yeah. in that the circumstances of Josh McDaniels being on the other sideline while the Patriots continue to barely tread water offensively would just underscore the problems they're having. You know, Brick, the Patriots have only scored more than two touchdowns 
offensively in two games this year, week three and week six. They had three against the Ravens, five against the Browns. They have been inept offensively. And whether or not they can get right with the number of guys they have who could be down this week, Kobe Myers, Ramondre Stevenson, Devontae Parker, it's going to be another uphill climb in a screen fest. Tom, I want to spend some time because you were kind enough to have me on your show and podcast about your friendship and the relationship and how far you go back with Josh McDaniels covering this team. I talked to Rob Ryan about it recently and how he came up through the defensive side initially before he became a play caller and then has got six Super Bowl rings and some safe for safety deposit box. Tremendous success, and you watched the entire journey. Tell the Raider fans what they have here in Josh McDaniels. It's a guy who's always willing to learn from his mistakes, and I thought it was telling, you know, he talked after – he had the failures with Denver and came back, and he said he came back with kind of a fresh outlook on these are things that I might not have seen from 2000 to 2009, the things that I, I didn't have my eyes on. And he became a much better coach. And if you look at the two iterations of the Patriots dynasty, 2000 to 2010, that really was a foundation laid by Bill Belichick and Scott Pioli and the personnel they brought in and the culture that they infused. But in my personal opinion, from 2010 to 2019, was very much McDaniels and Brady led. Of course, they were brilliant players, and Belichick had innumerable great games and game plans, and he brought in guys like Tlaib and then Revis and Gilmore that helped secure those wins, but it was driven by the offense and driven by the collaboration between McDaniels and Brady. So to me, in McDaniels, you have a guy who was yearning, to go and find that place where he could have his vision take place someplace else. The question that will always remain is, how do guys work outside the confines of the Patriots organization Mm -hmm. in terms of letting their vision for what they want their team to be is? And I think that's probably the challenge that Josh has right now, not not the least of which we talked about this, in in the man he was succeeding last year who got so much out of them is an interim coach taking over for John Gruden. Tom Curran is our guest. So that's really interesting, Tom, because I don't think that Dave Ziegler's done a great job. He's communicating. I talk, as you know, to the coach every week. The Raider fans, I don't think, have given the coach a fair shake yet because he's not winning at the level of the playoffs. And some fans understand the plan. Others don't. Others don't want to hear it because you know Raider Nation covering football as long as you have. They want to win. They're passionate, dating back to Al Davis and all the success that they've had in the past here. And I think that people, when the Raiders were on that three-game winning streak, Raider Nation was like, wow, I see the play calling. I see what's happening here. And then they lose that game to the Rams on Thursday night, and they lost that in a way that was similar to the Tuck rule or the Arizona game this year. Raider fans are scratching their head going, how is that possible to lose a game like this with all the good players that they have coming off a playoff season, and it's because they're not executing with these big uh, leads. How are you seeing it back in New England when you watch the Raiders on tape? just mind-numbing mistakes, and I think that's culturally what has to take root. And will it take root or will it not? Look at the Patriots right now. They are situationally stupid. It it is a a buy-in that has to come first from the best players, but then it has to filter all the way down. That 15-yard unsportsmanlike that came from slapping the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands might have been the biggest play on that game-winning drive for the Rams. Totally preventable, totally absurd. And you can just see that that's a kind of deflating play that has an impact further on. It's, it's minuscule in the grand context, 
and there's execution that can happen, and there's plays to be made afterwards. But it's deflating in the same way Zach Crockett getting stopped on fourth and one was huge back in the tuck rule game mm-hmm. back in 2001. Yeah. Those little plays, there's so much that happens after them, but it's those little plays in a game that you have to avoid if they're preventable. And that was so preventable. Tom Kern is our guest, NBC Sports Boston. Great friend. Been at Radio Rose and Super Bowls with him for two decades. So, Tom, how do you answer this question? You can help me here. When I bump into fans and they say, well, Josh McDaniels can't do it without Brady. And then you're hearing, well, Belichick can't do it without Brady. And you look at people and go, have you lost your mind? There's an archive already being built for Belichick in Canton, the greatest archive in sports history for this genius, maybe passing. I think he's passed Shula, Lombardi, and he's going to go down as the greatest coach of all time. But you still have fans saying, let me see it without Tom Brady. And then you look at Brady right now. Yeah. You know, it's with with his staff around him. Bruce Arians was great for Brady in 2020 and for a large swath of 2021, even as the dysfunction, you know, kind of took root. It's, it's cultural. It really, really is. It's look at the Detroit Lions right now. Mm-hmm. We see it every year when teams get hot. Look at the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. You just have to catch that right wave of all 53 guys and the coaching staff all being on the same page and not having some guys say, well, where's my touches? Where's my reps? Or, you know, do I need to be in this meeting? Or am I supposed to be paying attention here? Or am I ready to go? Um, and it has to be cultural within the building. And Brady was the one who would infuse that. And McCourty and Matthew Slater and Mike Vrabel and Teddy Bruschi and Vince Wilfork and Richard Seymour. I mean, those teams had full bowl to all pro level players. And the Raiders do too. Like, I can't imagine being a defensive player on the same side as Max Crosby and not giving every ounce of focus to every week's game. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't watch the Raiders as closely, they are quite frequently not on their stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're and not. To me, that's a cultural thing. You know, it's very preventable inter- stuff. Is, yeah. it, it's all preventable. Clean up the pre- preventable stuff, and you have probably a 10-3 and three Raiders team. Absolutely. Tom Kearns, our guest. you got a new column out, Patriots Broken Offense, a byproduct of the team's poor Josh McDaniels succession plan and decision to let him go. Well, tell me about that, because I know Mark Davis vetted a number of GMs and coaches. These guys weren't the first guys in the door and just getting an offer. This was a thorough search by Mark Davis and the Raiders to get a team, a GM, to work coincide with the head coach. You saw Mayock and Gruden before that, Jack Del Rio, Reggie McKenzie. You know the names here. So what do you think led to the decision for Mr. Kraft and Belichick to let him out the door financially or Josh just wanted to be a head coach again and he gets to do it in Las Vegas, no state taxes with the storied franchise? Josh wanted to be a head coach. If all things were equal, absolutely equal, and he had the opportunity to stay with the New England Patriots, that would have been extremely enticing to him. Had the Patriots picked up the phone and said, look, we don't know when he's leaving, but you want, we would love you to be the guy who succeeds him. Then he might have had a second thought. Mm-hmm. That never happened. So Josh went to basically what should be, at some point, a little bit of a football utopia with the number of offensive weapons he has, the facilities, and the ownership trust that he has there. But the Crafts didn't want to do it. And I think part of that goes to, look, Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick, and he has all the things that you mentioned. He deserves the right to author his exit. And if he hasn't told us, meaning ownership, mm-hmm. when he intends to move aside, 
it wouldn't be fair for us to make any guarantees or promises on what we're going to do when he leaves because we don't know when he's leaving. Right. So they did it in 2018 when they brought him back from Indianapolis before he left. Mm -hmm. But this time around, they said, we're not going to do it. To me, I understand the logic behind not keeping Josh McDaniels from realizing his head coaching aspiration. But from a Patriot-centric view, not having a plan in place to succeed, a guy you knew might be leaving and you were okay with him leaving was a little bit of a misstep, shall we say. Absolutely. Tom Curran, last one, Tom. What we, we started off talking about what's at stake. It is a bigger game for the Patriots. They're closer to the playoffs. The Raiders almost have to run the table, but last year they did. Last year they won four in a row and made it to the playoffs and lost first and goal on the nine against Cincinnati who went the Super Bowl. A lot of those guys are back, and they're getting back Waller and Renfro. What's at stake for this coach, Josh McDaniels, and his mentor? Because we play that up big in the media. They might not. Or do you think behind the scenes they are both so fired up to beat each other here? What's the real story, McDaniels versus Belichick Sunday at Allegiant Stadium? It's very important for Josh McDaniels to get this win, I'm sure, personally. Dave Diggler to get the win personally. Mick Lombardi on the offensive staff. It's, it's, it's showing them, hey, your team's struggling right now. You could have used us. Now, again, Josh is in a place that he aspired to be. He's a head coach of a team. But I still think you don't spend as much time here as you did without feeling as if, I would like to show the team that I was with that it's important to me. And I can go right through the names, whether it's Brian Flores or Matt Patricia or McDaniels when he was in Denver or Mike Rabel. All of these guys, Mangini at times with the Jets, all of those guys, regardless of how good their teams were at a particular time, beat Bill Belichick and beat him soundly. In 2018, both Rabel and Matt Patricia rolled over the Patriots with the Titans and the Lions, respectively. And that was in a Super Bowl year for the Patriots. So it's big for those former Patriots coaches or players. Thank you, Tom. I look forward to seeing you in Arizona. All the best, and have a happy holiday. Always appreciate talking to you. All right, Brick. Take care, man. You got it. Tom Curran, big guest. Biggest guest we had this week in regards to the Patriots side. He's the guy. That's the guy. I've been covering it before the tuck rule. All those Super Bowls, he's covered it. He has relationships with Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, and he just told you how important it is. He said Ziegler and McDaniels to beat Belichick. We've been trying to play that up all week. It's not life or death. The coaches don't play each other, but you better believe as a sports talk show that we need hype. We want advertisers. We want business partners. We want callers. We want to be successful. And this week, if you can't get into this game, we're in the wrong business. I think the Raider Nation is really, and Danny, you and I were talking about this before the show. I think what happened was the Raiders got beat so dramatically in L.A. that everybody was numb. I was numb. I was numb when I came on the air Monday. And now it's taking time because the Raiders had a bye week. They had that off from Thursday to Sunday where we're just starting to feel the ramp kind of get going for the significance of this game. Right. I I was extremely shocked when I was watching that outcome against the Rams. Yeah. And as as a Raiders fan, I could definitely see how that their whole fan base is feeling or it took a while to get mm. over that because that was a very tough loss and it was a game that you needed to had win. to have that game. Had to have it. This game's even bigger and I think even if the players don't say it, I think every single person in that locker room wants to win this game, not only to 
hopefully get to the playoffs and make their fan base proud, but they want to win it for Ziegler and yes. for McDaniels. You would hope. Yeah, you would hope. I would think so. Great point. That's the key. And I don't feel that from the fans that say, because the fans don't know Dave Ziegler, who I know. And I don't know Dave well, but he's been very good to me with his access. And the coach has been fantastic. I had someone today behind the scenes at the Raiders saying, you know, Coach McDaniels has come to every interview, prepared, ready to go, on time, wanting to get on the couch and talk about what happened. And he does that at the press conferences, too. I mean, it feels like there are pitch fork fans sitting out there going, you know, how bad can the coach be? We don't do that. The coach isn't bad. The coach is really good. No matter what happens here in Vegas, the coach has had a great career with six Super Bowls. But he'll be defined as a head coach, as a head coach, by what he does in Las Vegas. Because Denver came and went very quickly. He won a playoff game there, if you forgot. Then he decided to take Indy, but changed his mind because Indy was a train wreck, in my opinion. And Kraft and Belichick were on the phone. Come on home, son. We got you said here. Again, did he handle that perfectly? He said in his opening press conference he did not. But he, he's been very mature in this position here in Vegas, and he hasn't even gotten an opportunity to know the city yet. Hasn't even gotten the opportunity to go to the restaurants, go to the shows, do all that because he's grinding and he's not winning enough games. So I just want people not to be compassionate. This is an Oprah. I'm not looking for you to be compassionate. I'm just looking you to understand that the guy is really grinding to try to get you some wins, and the team's banged up. And now they're going to get back Waller and Renfro. So I got open time. Man, I haven't even taken a breath this show with the four guests we have. One more. Vince Sapienza at the bottom of the hour. So you can get through right now. 702-365-9200 is our number. 702-365-9200. What's at stake in this game? Where's your head at as a Raider fan? Don't sell your tickets. I see you up on Facebook and on StubHub. Don't get rid of your tickets. Give them to a Raider fan. At face value, let a Raider fan in your neighborhood go to the game if you don't want to go. Don't put them up there on some secondary ticket site. Be a Raider fan and go out there and support your team. This is a great weekend, man. Great weekend in this town. I can't wait for this game. I love this game. I'm jumping through the studio. This is the game when the schedule came out, I had circled. One game. Man, McDaniels versus Belichick? Sunday night football. Oh, they flexed out of that? Man, I got a lot into this game. A lot invested mentally into this game. I'm excited. Raider Guy, you're up next. Thanks for calling in. What's happening? Hey, JT. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. First-time caller, long-time listener. We, my wife and I met you uh, at the, when we beat the Donkeys in mm. October. But, uh, yeah, I was pretty salty uh, the last loss we had. But mm. I think Raider Nation needs to show up this weekend. We need to support our team. And just like the team needs to show up, the fans to show up too and uh, be there for the defense and uh, get the crowd riled up to get the defense going. Yeah, I think so. You know, the crowd, I think there's going to be a lot of Patriot fans there. I've never said that before with any fan base. I mean, I knew there were going to be Eagle fans. There's always going to be Kansas City and Denver fans in the division. You don't have to worry about Charger fans. There's just a couple hundred of those. But right. Patriot fans have wanted to come out here for a while. And the Patriots are in the playoffs. They're the seventh seed as we speak. And there's a lot of New England fans in Los Angeles, Southern California, and close by out west that have tickets to this game. And they're coming in with their Patriot gear. They want this game. They're treating it like a vibe of a Super Bowl out west where they travel well. So I think the Raider fans are going to have their hands full. I think the Raiders will have the majority of fans, but they better be loud. That's right. And, uh, I'll be there this Sunday, and hopefully I'll get to uh, see you in the pregame show. 
and I'll say hi. And but definitely, I'm going to leave my voice there and uh, leave that game without a voice and just be running for uh, a radio nation. Yeah, good. I'm I'm hoping I have a voice by then. Thanks for the call. I got a remote tomorrow. Uh, we got the Bolitnikov banquet, the Crab Fest coming up on Friday. There's some concerts in town I want to see. So I rest my voice for the weekend. And I tell my wife that last night. I do this radio show most of the week from 6 to 9 p.m. And then afterwards I get off the air. My son's coming home from Oklahoma Friday. My son from ASU is already home. And the house is ready and my wife's decorating the house. She works too. And we're sitting around at home and we're very blessed to have a life that we have. Our home, our kids are healthy. And we like the games. We like going as a couple to the games. And we like seeing our friends. And it's fun. It's a great stage in my life now, doing this 26 years, that I can go to the game, be in the game, host the pregame, and then fly around the stadium, get on the field, go to the Twitch lounge, go to the Modelo lounge for the postgame, see fans, and enjoy myself. I don't want to be miserable in my life. I want to be happy. I want to be healthy. And I want to see good people that are in a good mood. And it's not going to happen with Raider fans unless they win. So I don't care. Raider Nation, man. I've gone my old days. Today on my phone popped up something really cool. And I got pretty emotional. Three years ago today was the last ever game in Oakland. And it came up on my Facebook memory. And I tweeted out the picture. You could see it at JT the Brick. It's Black Hole Rob Rivera who passed away out of nowhere. One of the most important people in my life. Black Hole Rob. Raiders did an incredible tribute for him. Raider Mort and my son. And my son three years ago. And I look back at that game, and I have all these pictures that came up on the sideline with MC Hammer, um, the great Marshal uh, Marcus Allen, Freddie Bolitnikoff, and then people I used to work with who are no longer here. People I used to work with with the Raiders who are no longer with the Raiders. And I looked at my memory, and I said, man, that was just three years ago. The game didn't end the way we wanted it to end, but that tailgate was really emotional saying goodbye to people that helped me with my career at the stadium. I remember three years ago today, after the game and my son flew home, we took an extra longer flight. We took a flight. Instead of going right home, we took like a flight at 8 o'clock. And I remember going around the stadium to the West Side Club, the people on the field that I knew I'd never see again. You know, it's weird in life when you can say goodbye to people, not because of health reasons, but I'm not going to the Oakland Coliseum much. I'm not going to be at the bar in the West Side Club with the lady that served us for 10 years, you know, giving hugs, saying goodbye to some fans who haven't been to Vegas since. That was three years ago. Time flies. Flies. And this game, I think, is a great game for everybody to come together because it's the last game before the holidays, Christmas Eve there at Pittsburgh, right? So Christmas Eve, the team's going to be playing in Pittsburgh, the longest flight of the year, flying home on Christmas Eve and getting home to their families. If they win this game and they beat Pittsburgh, it's on. It's on. There are going to be some teams that lose in front of them right now. There's an opportunity for a couple teams to lose. Every Raider fan better be rooting for the Lions. Every Raider fan, the big game for the Raiders is to root against the Chargers this week. Got to root against the Chargers. You got to hope they come back to the pack. But none of it matters if the Raiders lose. If they lose, they're eliminated. Eliminated. And I don't want to be in the Modelo Cantina doing an elimination show for the postgame show. Because after that, after that, it's all about next year and finishing out the schedule. And I don't like that type of radio, man. I like radio where there's hope and there's a chance. That's why I got my A game this week, because I know how important this game is. We'll see you tomorrow at Red Tail, noon to 2 for our remote. But before that, I want to thank the 872 Labors, proud partner of our show. 
I got a text into Tommy White. I'll go to his suite at the game, and we'll say hi to his team around town. The 872 laborers, hardest working union. They built the stadium on time and on budget. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by the Botanist Gin, the number one fastest growing brand. Step up your cocktail game with the Botanist Gin. Danny's on the board. He's new with me. Bobby's been out. I tell him I like loud music. I shouldn't like music this loud. I've been wearing headsets most of my life. It's not that good, but I like good loud music. Appreciate that as we get rolling here. This is, we got games, three games on Saturday, and we got a Thursday night game tonight, which is really big. And Brock Purdy is going to play injured. How about that for the 49ers? You know, Raider fans, I know you're looking at some of the doom and gloom this year and the injuries and the old line and Waller's coming back and Renfro. There's some teams on third-string quarterbacks. The Jets, third-string quarterbacks. You look at Geno Smith playing. There's a lot of injuries around the league. There are a lot of guys that are hurt. A lot of guys that are hurt here in the Raiders. Are they getting healthy a little too late in the season? Where would this team have been two, three weeks ago with Waller and Renfro if they were healthy? Well, they weren't healthy, so we don't know. It's woulda, coulda, shoulda radio. But if you missed the show in the opening monologue, as I said, I don't want to hear everybody talk about Waller chemistry. Uh, Darren Waller needs to be ready to play. Needs to be ready to play, and Renfro needs to be able to explode. And if not, don't play him. I have no problem with them not playing the rest of the year if they're not at 100%. But don't tell me on this show that they need more time to gel with their chemistry. Everybody still thinks when Renfro and Devontae collided that the chemistry wasn't right. That's a throwout stat. That was one play. They'll get it down. How, how happy is Devontae going to be as I bring in Vince Sapienza from F- Fox 5? Hey, Vince, I just thought of this while you're on hold. If Devontae's playing without Waller and Renfro, he's obviously getting more touches. But in the second half of the Ram game, he didn't get a t- catch. So if, Ron- if Waller and Renfro are playing this Sunday, what do you expect to see with the ball distribution? <laughs> I think I think that's a million-dollar question, JT. I mean, that, when people looked in their crystal ball and, and tried to figure out and forecast what this offense would look like, everyone they thought it was going to be, you know, maybe three 1,000-yard receivers in Waller, Renfro, and Adams, right? That's pie-in-the-sky type stuff. But obviously we haven't seen it. Uh, Devontae Adams has continued to flourish, though there's been at times, as you just pointed out, there's been inconsistency there. Obviously, when, when Waller and Renfro get back in the game, you know, the, the attention drops a little bit in terms of Adams. So you would hope that that attention picks up in the second half for Devontae Adams. All of a sudden, Hunter Renfro is a lot more open in the middle of the field. Darren Waller is being able to find those mismatches in the middle of the field as well. And I think that's where you see the separation of the offense, or you hope to. I think that's where you see, you hope the offense separates. And in a game like you saw on Thursday night football, you don't see the offense go stale. You don't see the offense stall out. And you Mm -hmm. see more points get put on the board and put away bad teams like they should have done on Thursday night football. Vince Sapienza, Fox 5, proud partner of the Raiders. Uh, I'll have the interview tomorrow, but I talked to Josh McDaniels today, and you could hear this guy, Vince, talk about their special teams. He's basically telling the world how good the special teams are on the road for the Patriots. They're putting up historical numbers. So I would assume that Cole and Carlson can control the game by kicking it away from these guys. There shouldn't be a point in this game in the third or fourth quarter where the Patriots are touching a football in the kicking game because they're that good. Yeah, I I mean... You know, Josh McDaniels likes to talk about, uh, you know, we make a lot of it about the offense, the defense, but he, he always is 
quick to point out the special teams aspect, and that's such a big, important piece of of that New England mindset, right? And that's something that he's brought over and made sure that it is just as important uh, as as the rest of the offensive defense. He always points to how it's a third of the game and needs that rightful attention. That's why he puts so much so much stock in a guy like Mac Collins and his versatility on not just offense, but what he does in special teams. But to your point. This is a game that shouldn't boil down to special teams, if we're being honest. This is a game that needs to be handled uh, with, with the Raiders and the Rock and the defense being able to do their job. But that being said, you know that the Patriots' special teams is going to be on their P's and Q's, and you hope that that isn't a difference in this game. Vince Sapienza, I agree with you. I think the game is huge. You've covered everything big since you moved to this market. Everything from the Golden Knights to big games overall, the the birth of Allegiant Stadium, all the ground breakings. Look, it's not the Super Bowl. It's not a playoff game. The Raiders haven't hosted a home playoff game, but I think and the Charger game was the greatest game ever played to finish an NFL season. But I had this circled a while ago. Just because of the stories, Vince, and you're in the story business where you're looking for storylines. Can it get any big, bigger than Belichick, McDaniels, with two teams on the outside looking in? Patriots are in the playoffs, but not if they don't win this game. No, and I'm shocked that this got flexed out of Sunday Night Football, yeah. to be honest with you. I understand what's at stake in the other game. I get that. But in terms of storylines, in terms of must-see TV, I don't know how it gets any bigger than this one. I mean, this, this is absolutely massive. And, and I think for different reasons at this point in the season, you know, a few weeks ago, a lot of people were questioning Josh McDaniels. A lot of people were questioning the room, how the room responded to Josh McDaniels, how he was responding to the room, all of that. Obviously, they went on that three-game win streak, and then all of a sudden just the tires fell off the wagon, and, and we saw what we saw on Thursday Night Football. I am very curious to see how this team plays for its coach, for its coaching staff, how Josh McDaniels handles the pressure of playing a Bill Belichick, his former team. He knows how big this game is. He's had this circled on his calendar for a while. I remember how, how much we talked to him uh, ahead of that can game, the Hall of Fame game, going back to his roots and how meaningful that was to him. Now, that is nothing in comparison to what this game will be on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. And, and we saw the emotion and how important that, that preseason Hall of Fame game was to him. Mm-hmm. I, this is, the magnitude is, is tenfold, the hundredfold for that. He's going to pour everything he can into this game, and rightfully so. The, there's no E of elimination next to, to the Raiders in the standings as of yet. So as of right now, it's the most important game. It's the most meaningful game for a myriad of reasons. But I'm most looking forward to seeing how this team responds, healthy or not, Renfro, Waller or not, how this locker room responds to their head coach in the biggest game of his coaching career. Vince Sapienza bringing his A game, as he always does. You're the first guy to mention that in Canton, Ohio, and how important that preseason game was to coach because his family was there. He'll have family in town again from what he told me here, and this is really important to him this game. Uh, Mac Jones, how do you look at Mac Jones? Because Josh McDaniels got him up and running quickly, and he became a playoff guy. But he won a national championship at Alabama events. He was supposed to be pretty good. He's supposed to come in and be able to manage a game with short passes. Against Arizona on Monday night, he completed the most screen passes of his NFL career. Aren't they telling you what they're going to do here in Vegas is throw screen passes all day because the Raider linebackers haven't been able to cover anybody this year. So the Raider linebackers and the safeties pinching down, they got to cover the screen pass. 
Yeah, it doesn't really look like they're hiding anything no. this week. Look, you know, Mac Jones, uh, you know, was an alternate Pro Bowl selection a year ago. As you mentioned, he's had success at the collegiate level. Josh McDaniels was able to get as much out of him as a young quarterback in this league. But what I've seen out of Mac Jones over the course of, you know, a few months of this season is not a very confident quarterback at the moment, which is why you're seeing a lot of the high efficiency type throws, the screen passes and things like that. And I would expect a lot to be the same this coming Sunday. So what can Patrick Graham do to dial up and not and keep him from gaining any more confidence to to keep those things at a moment, minimum? Keep the offense in front of the defense and not allow the big plays to happen like we saw at the end of the Thursday night game against, again, a quarterback that, you know, wasn't confident coming in. He may be a confident guy, but not a confident guy with the playbook last Thursday. This is a different situation, but similar in the fact that there's not a lot of confidence in terms of what they're able to do on offense as of yet. Obviously, that could change. You hope it doesn't change at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. But this is, you know, we talk a lot about how this is a big game for Josh McDaniels and things. This is a big game for Patrick Graham. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is an offense you need to stifle. This is an offense that you need to not let find their, their confidence or their groove. So I think that's going to be important from the get-go, and not just from the get-go, but a full 60 minutes. Vince Sapiens, as we wrap it up, so what's the difference between the Golden Knights on the road and at home? <laughs> yeah, uh, that is, uh, that's a great question. If I had that answer, I think I'd be on the bench <laughs> for the Golden Knights next to Bruce Cassie right now. It is, it is so perplexing uh, what they're able to do on the road. I mean, you, go, you talk about a team going into Winnipeg, the top team at the time in the Central Division, without the likes of Alex Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, Jack Eichel, and Zach Whitecloud, and one of the best goaltenders on the other end in Connor Hellebuck, and they put up six goals on him on the road. It makes no sense. It, it absolutely makes no sense. I think the stat is they have eight goals in their last eight uh, games on home ice. Uh, it, it's just it's absolutely baffling. I think it's a team still trying to find their way in terms of Bruce Cassidy's system because while it's not overly complicated, it is very black and white. You either do it or you don't. If you do it, it's successful. If you don't, it burns you. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing here at home. Uh, the Golden Knights get a little bit uh, lackadaisical. And the all-important thing is they've been scoring first on the road mm-hmm. a lot more often than they have at home. And, and Bruce Cassidy's system, that makes a big, big difference in terms of how they play the rest of the game. So I think getting that first goal is all-important. They've been able to do it on the road, playing a little bit more loose. Uh, let's see if they can translate that here at home. A lot of home games in the month of January and February, so we'll have a lot more opportunity to get it right. They lead the Western Conference in points with 43. No other team has over 40. I mean, so I look at this team here, and again, I can imagine. I thought it was, it's like a Mayweather fight. You and I have been in Mayweather fights. He puts six rounds in the bank. Doesn't matter what happens in the round seven because the fight's over. What they were able to do early in the season with all those wins and all those two points stacking wins still has them in first in the West. And the opportunity, I think, to be great if they get everybody healthy at the right time and they turn it up a notch when the postseason begins. So there should be a lot of optimism here in town, right? Yeah, a lot of people were, were asking me why you're making such a big deal out of a nine-game winning streak mm. so early on in the season as the Golden Knights did. And it's, and it's exactly what we're talking about right now. They were able to point, pocket points and put it in the bank so early that now when the injury bug was inevitably going to hit, I don't think anybody saw it hitting as hard as this one, but 
the injury bug always hits and adversity always hits and you always go through pockets of the season where, where you're in a funk, that those are the points that make a difference. They say you can't be out of the playoffs early on in the season, but you know, you can really help yourself put in a position to do so. And the Golden Knights have been able to do a lot early on in the season to help weather this current funk that they're in, this current injury bug that they're going through. And there's a reason. I mean, as you said, despite going win one, lose one, win one, lose one, they're still far and wide the top team in the West right now. And, uh, you know, obviously they got to keep it going. But road victories, as, as early as they've had them, is going to do a lot for them down the stretch, especially as we turn the page on 2022 into 2023 when they have all these home games, and that's where they can really start to run away out in the West in the Pacific Division. I know your wife just had a birthday. All the best to her. Hope your kids are doing good, and we'll talk to you right after the holidays. You mean a lot to the show. We appreciate everything. JT, appreciate you. Thank you so much. You got it. Vince Sapienza, Fox 5, proud partner of the Silver and Black. And we flip-flop. We have Vince on, then we have Kevin Bollinger, the sports director. So we have him on every other week, part of our insider segment here as we get rolling. So that's where we are. D.C. in Henderson. This should be good. Go ahead, D.C. What do you got? He's gone. Now, that's Radio 101. I don't need to teach you. No, that's not your fault. Whenever there's an interview, the guy who's on hold is never there. Because they can't be, they can't be patient. You checked on them, right? He I was even, there during the break. I, yeah, even I said, "Hey, on. right after the interview." It's radio one on one. Now, in real life, if I was having a conversation with someone, they wouldn't walk away without saying goodbye. But in radio, people leave me hanging. They'll be on hold. They want to come on, and then they'll be ready. And then the interview, which we're prepared to do, ends, and then he's not there for us. So I don't take it personally because I've been scarred by radio over 25 years. I've been there. I've had truckers lose their phone lines. I've had people do that. I've come out of breaks. I've taken more calls than anybody, I think, in radio history at night. And there are times where i got to do an hour. An hour, just me. But I love when people call in. And I have one more window for you to do it before I get out of Dodge and shut it down. I was at the Raiders early today. I don't have a night show tonight. Fred Bolitnikoff's in town. I know I got a cerveza somewhere with me on a school night tonight. Don't have to interview the coach. My Wednesday night, got to interview the coach. So there's no cerveza and there's no cigar. But tonight there'll be one. And then tomorrow I'll gear up. And a couple of me and the black hole guys tomorrow after the remote, we got a little window. We're going to go over to 8 Cigar Lounge and have a cigar on me. And hopefully if you're around, you could kind of join us. Should be a fun time tomorrow. Red Tail. Red Tail tomorrow, noon to 2, right there at Resorts World. Let's hear you from you before I get out of here. 702-365-9200. Ooh, Steph Curry's going to be out a few weeks. Said this last night. No team that I can remember in the NBA cares less about the regular season after a championship than the Warriors. Ever. I've never seen a championship team care less the following year about the regular season than the Warriors. This Warrior team. Mailing in the regular season. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Grimaldi's Pizzeria, home of the famous New York-style coal-fired brick oven pizza. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as as competitors, there's absolutely still a possibility. I mean, we had a, whatever, 5% chance last year, you know, whatever it was. And um, so crazier things have happened, you know, but none of that even matters unless we take care of today and win this week. And so, and, you know, playing against, you know, the Patriots, Bill Belichick and, you know, their staff and all, you know, all the players that they have, like, that's not an easy task, you know. So for us, we, if we want all those things, we can hope for it and all that. But, you know, we have to be able to put in the work this week to make sure that happens.
That's Derek Carr. I love that soundbite. Derek reminds us last year the Raiders needed to run the table, right, and go four in a row to get in. Rich Passaccia, the head coach at the time, and I remember that well. There was a lot of optimism around the Raiders, and the Raiders winning that game. You heard it earlier on in the show when we were talking about where the Raiders are compared to last year. And Tom Curran mentioned it, and Bill Romanowski came on to kick off the show. Last year, the Raiders had a little bit of luck, but they made their own luck. They, they made great plays at the end of the year. The game in Cleveland was a mess. Cleveland cooperated. They played poorly. The Indy game was a great win. Really ended the Indy season. So a lot of good things that happened to the Raiders last year. And many people in the gaming industry said, that's not going to happen again. So we're going to fade the Raiders. We're going to take them under the season win total because they can't be that good or lucky again. And they were right this year. It's been harder. They lost all these games with 17-point leads, a 13-point lead. And it's balanced back. So you know what's going to happen next year? Well, they're going to have a better team. Obviously, they're going to have a better team next year. And then there are going to be uh, Vegas handicappers are going to say, you know, the Raiders took it on the chin last year, and they kind of took a step back, but their roster's really good, and they added blank, 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 and blank. Now I'll take the Raider win total of over 9.5-10 because I think they're going to bounce back, and they're definitely not going to lose. I can, look, I can promise you one thing and put my life savings on it that the Raiders will never lose games ever again while you and I are here the way they lost this year. A lot of it's bad luck, execution, all of that. Excuses die, the record stands. That ain't happening again. <laughs> We're not going to see the Kyler Murray running around for 20 seconds next year. We're not going to see the Jeff Saturday game. We're not going to see the Baker, May- uh, Baker Mayfield game. None of that's going to happen next year. There might be something weird that comes out of left field, but it won't be like this year. It'll be a lot more stable when it comes to win losses, I believe. And the Raiders are playing for something else, the ability to be above 500. If they run the table, they're 9-8. and eight, And that would be a nice way to end this season, considering everything that happened along the way. I want to give credit to Alex Ovechkin, who had his 800th goal. Now he joins only Gordy Howe and the great Wayne Gretzky. And a puck set the distance all the way down into the... Chicago zone, the Blackhawks starting, and now the turnover in front, and Mantha feeding it to Kuznetsov, and Morazic diving, a shot, they score, and it's Alex Ovechkin, and it's 800 goals in the National Hockey League, the bench empties, Alex Ovechkin is the third player in National Hockey League history to score 8 Hundred goals. He does it here in Chicago, Illinois, on the 13th of December, 2022. History here at the Madhouse on Madison. Alex Ovechkin, Gordy Howe, and Wayne Gretzky are now the only three skaters ever in National Hockey League history to score eight. Hundred goals. That's nice call. That's a really nice call on Caps Radio. And an important milestone. We're a hockey town now. We have the Vegas Golden Knights, some really good players. We had Mark Andre Fleury with milestones. Mark Stone, Alec Petrangelo. That's a great milestone. All right. So tonight, Thursday night football. Who are you rooting for? Who are you rooting for? Well, I'm going to be with a Seahawks fan, so I'm pulling for the Seahawks. You're pulling for the Seahawks. So am I. I don't root for the Niners. I mean, I don't hate the Niners. A lot of Raider Nation hates the Niners. I don't hate the Niners, but I'd like to see the Niners lose. If Brock Purdy is able to go up there and win and he's banged up, and this is it for Geno Smith, what a huge game in Seattle, man. What a big game. If Seattle wins, they're right back in it with the Niners in the division. 
If Seattle loses, I don't think they're even going to make the wild card. So this is an important game. They're still in the wild card hunt, but the Raiders went up there and won on overtime on that walk-off. So I can't wait to see this game. Uh, The Jets also said Mike White. uh, There's no doubt he'll play with the sore rib. That's an interesting story now. They're not putting Zach Wilson back in, the number two pick overall. I think that's a bad move. And, you know, the sources are saying here, and I knew this behind the scenes, but I did get the head coach wrong. I got the head coach wrong with UNLV. I thought they were going with Mike Stoops. That's what my my people told me. I was wrong on that. Bobby Petrino as the offensive coordinator, the sources, the rumors there, whenever they announced that, I love that deal. Bobby Petrino, he had some personal transgressions. We know that you could just Google Bobby Petrino, see him with the neck brace on, the motorcycle accident and all that. He is a hell of an offensive mind. And I like Marcus Arroyo. You know, Marcus Arroyo was the offensive coordinator for Justin Herbert. He came here, an offensive coach. But if they're able to get Bobby Petrino as an offensive coordinator, one of the brightest offensive mind play callers in the game, as an offensive coordinator at UNLV under Barry Odom, sources telling ESPN that today, Chris Lowe reporting that at ESPN. I would love that move. Does he have a past? Yeah. Did he clean it up? Yeah. Is he great at what he does? Yeah. He's a better play caller than most that have ever been in this town. I, I'm talking professional, too. I mean, he, he knows how to call plays. And hopefully if you got Bobby Petrino to go along with a new head coach and Barry Odom who can recruit the SEC, if you can get them going to work and get some of those players from there to come here, because as I always told you, I don't know why there aren't better players in Las Vegas. I don't get it. Is billion-dollar casino after billion-dollar casino. I know kids aren't supposed to hang out in casinos, but if I was a young kid living in Ames, Iowa, or a little kid living in a rural town in the south you never heard of, I'd want to come to Vegas because my home games would be at Allegiant Stadium, and I'd, I'd be working out at Fertitta Field and their complex every day. I think that's pretty damn good if you're developing. And the portal. I bet you Bobby Petrino, if he gets the gig, will know how to get in that portal and find some players there who can run some routes and hold on to the ball. Danny, thanks again. This was really a great show you put together for the guests that we had. Romo Cop, Bill Romanowski joined us. Vince Sapienza was fantastic. Rock Cartwright, a name from the past as we're talking about the NFL nominees from Man of the Year. The newest one here is A.J. Cole. So we're really excited about that. And we also talked to Tom Curran and Lee Sterling. That's the best I can do. Hope you enjoyed it. Q's coming up next, and Q will have a great show, as he always does. Q puts a lot into his show and his podcast and being the program director in this building. So a lot goes on with him. Tomorrow we'll be at Red Tail Inside Resorts World. So if you're looking for lunch, if you're looking to place a bet, if you want to just do Raiders talk and hang out with me, I'd like to see you down there noon to 2 Inside Resorts World. Parking's free. And just walk in there. It's gorgeous. Walk in Resorts World, man. It's special. Walking that property is special. And I also want to thank the DeCastaverde Law Group. Alex DeCastaverde, my friend, they're having their holiday party. They're our personal injury attorneys. DeCastaverde Law Group. If you get into an accident, you need familia. You need family. Alex's family, along with his brother Orlando, living the dream with the legacy of their late father, who was one of the most famous attorneys, family attorneys, accident attorneys in all of Nevada. Have a great day, everybody. I'll see you back here tomorrow, and I hope you enjoy listening. Anything you miss, you can find it at lvsportsnetwork.com. Our coach's interview will be at raiders.com, and we'll play that for you tomorrow.